Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, all right. Welcome to episode 75 of Grow Bud Yourself podcast. We've got a great show for you guys today. Uh, First, Mike and I are going to shoot the shit a little bit about some news, and then we get right into our interview with Jesse Horton. He's the CEO of Loud Cultivation in Portland, Oregon. Our cultivation segment features the strain of the fortnight, as well as a grow tip on watering and feeding seedlings or newly rooted clones as well as grow Q&A from listeners. So stick around. Episode 75 brought to you by Excelsior Extracts, Sweet Leaf Nutrients, Rocket Seeds, and Organic Rev Growth Stimulant coming at you. Hey, so if you're looking to grow healthier, faster growing plants and increase your yields, Organic Rev is the answer. Rev is safe to use from seed through harvest and its active ingredients are 100% naturally occurring. Rev is a growth stimulant, not a nutrient. Simply adding Rev to your current regimen can deliver dramatic results. And because it's not a nutrient, Rev can't burn your plants. Growers turn to Rev to increase fertilizer efficiency, improve their nutrient uptake and the root zone development, stimulate seed germination, reduce transplant shock, and more. On a personal note, I've been using Rev and it works great. My plants absolutely love it and they respond immediately by greening up and looking healthy and strong. And now our listeners can receive 10% off their first order of organic Rev with the promo code GBY10. That's good for 10% off your entire purchase at Organic Rev. So head to organicrev.com slash GBY10 and find out what Rev can do for your plants. All right, welcome back. And as always, thank you to DJ Jacques and Winstrong for the tune. Please follow them on their socials. Thank you to them. And uh, thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, I should mention our sponsor, Organic Rev, is still running their free bottle promo. Uh, You can get a four-ounce bottle of Organic Rev growth stimulant for free uh, just by paying the $5 for shipping and handling. So check them out at organicrev.com slash GBY10. Click on the free bottle promo link at the top and uh, make sure you tell them Grow Bud Yourself sent you. So take advantage of that offer. And here we are. Mike, how are you? Here we are. I'm, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm off to Alaska this weekend and uh, yeah, pretty excited about that. Alaska, that's a long flight, man. That's. Uh, I hope you have something to read, maybe an edible <laughs> to take before that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a long flight. Uh, yeah, Northeast Leaf is doing Leaf Bowl in uh, no- on November 6th in Alaska in Anchorage. And uh, I'm just going there to uh, do some logistics and uh, help out with uh, the planning of that event. And I'll be back for that event in November as well. So exciting news. I've never been. So uh, I'm, I've always wanted to check out uh, Alaska. Very cool. The last frontier. Indeed. You know, they've had, you know, decrim and legal for, for a long time and famous strains like the Matanuska Thunderfuck <laughs> from the Matanuska Valley, where I think I'll be at some point as well. Um, very excited about that. Maybe I'll ride on some snow machines. Should be fun. 
All right. Well, that sounds like a fun adventure, and uh, we have a very fun podcast for you guys. Um, But first, we should start it off, as we so often do here, with a little bit of news, get everybody up to date on what they need to know about the world of cannabis. Let's do it. The first story that kind of caught my eye that I wanted to bring up here is um, the DEA, which is, of course, the Drug Enforcement Administration, um, is calling for these insanely dramatic increases in legal production of not just pot, but but also psychedelics. So what are we talking about when we say significant increases? Uh, they want twice the amount of cannabis and uh, concentrates created, and also psilocybin. But they want four times the amount of mescaline, five times the amount of DMT. They want a 6,300% increase in the amount of MDMA that is produced for uh, research and clinical trials. So um, also a 1,150% increase of LSD. So we're talking about a giant, massive amount of drugs. <laughs> I, I'm for- amazed. I, I've actually never found myself agreeing with anything <laughs> that the DEA wants. But uh, <laughs> if they want more of those things, then certainly uh, maybe we, those those should be produced. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming that this is in order to you know do negative studies <laughs> on them. But uh, I'm hoping maybe some of the, some of the agents will actually try these products and maybe uh, you know decide to go on a different path in life possibly it it just uh amazes me that uh that uh, they would want more of that stuff created i thought their job was to reduce the amount of drugs produced but uh apparently now they want more there's definitely certainly people who could benefit from the psychedelic experience and uh certainly you know law officers and and, and people of that nature would benefit from it as well i would imagine in lots of different ways so hey <laughs> you know, this might be a good thing. You know, obviously it's not it's not happening with good intent, but maybe some good will come out of it. So we can only hope and pray. <laughs> well, these, you know, the, this is sort of um, the result, I guess, of the increased interest, not just in cannabis, which obviously has, has increased across the country, but also in psychedelics, as we've seen, you know, um, states and also at the local level, they're, they're decriminalizing essentially um, MDMA and uh, psilocybin. So I guess in reaction to that, the DEA is calling for way more of these things to be produced so that they could be studied. And as Dan mentioned, probably, you know, told that it makes our asses seal shut or uh, I don't know what they'll come up with. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming they're just going to like stuff rats full of these things and just, you know, document the chaos that occurs. But uh, I'm also of the opinion, though, that like um, the more of those things that are out there in the world, um, the closer we get to a sort of an evolutionary uh, change in humanity. And I don't know, I, I think there's a lot of uh, sort of superstitions that we need to shed, you know, uh, religion and nationalism and things like that just uh, tear humanity apart in a lot of ways. I think, uh, you know, we're due for a psychedelic revolution and, and not the one from the 60s, but a new one. I mean, it's the only thing I think that can save us really in a lot of ways you know, the change comes from within. So uh, individual exploration uh, can lead to profound changes uh, that the individual makes that makes the world around them better and kinder and a just a better place. 
All right. Well, there you go. And no, I did not get into the DEA stash today. I am just uh, ah. pontificating. So, uh, so there you go. The DEA they want uh, they want a bunch more psychedelic substances to use for clinical studies and research. So we'll see where that leads. Uh, we should also talk about South Dakota just briefly. And uh, people who listen to this show might remember that uh, we went on rants a few months back because. Basically, South Dakota legalized cannabis on um, Election Day last year. But then the governor, uh, Christy Nome, uh, her administration challenged that legalization measure that was voted on by the, uh, the residents of South Dakota. And it was overturned. It was considered unconstitutional. So, you know, no legalization in South Dakota. But then that ruling was challenged. And since then, the Supreme Court has been reviewing it. So at the moment, South Dakota does not know if they've legalized cannabis or if they have failed to. And because the deadline for ballot initiatives for the 2022 election is November 8th, activists in South Dakota have decided they better get in gear and uh, get some signatures to get a legalization ballot qualified for election day in 2022. So it's a very unusual uh, situation. I don't think I've ever heard of this before where a state may have already legalized cannabis. Well, actually, in fact, did, but then it was taken away from them, but they still might have legalized it. But just to be safe, they're also trying to get a legalization initiative on the ballot in 2022. Yeah, well, I mean, double legalize it, I guess, or re-legalize <laughs> it, or <laughs> I don't know, it's a, you know, triple triple legalize it. You know, you got to protect the will of the people. If people voted on it, um, there's no reason a governor or a city council or anybody else should be able to step in the way uh, of the people's vote. And, uh, you know, to me, that's just tampering with democracy. And, and we've seen a lot of that lately. And, and I, I don't like it. You know what I mean? Let the people have their say. Uh, if the people voted for legal cannabis, it's it, it belongs to legal. Uh, and I say we just have a national vote on it. You know what I mean? Like right now, 2022 uh, midterms, let's just vote on legalization nationwide. And uh, I guarantee it'll pass. And I think at that point, you know, uh, we're in for a big change and, and, and a new era. And I think, uh, you know, obviously it's <laughs> we're a long way from that. But uh, I do know that, like, if the politicians just followed what the votes and the people wanted, uh, it would be already be legal now. So um, they need to catch up. And so uh, they should all be taking psychedelics and uh, smoking cannabis and hopefully uh, legalizing it will be the first step after that. Well, there you go. We wish them luck and we'll keep you guys uh, posted on what happens with the Supreme Court decision there. Uh, just one other thing that we should touch on. Uh, do you remember... At the end of 2019, the beginning of 2020, just before the coronavirus pandemic, there was this very strange um, vaping-related lung illness that was that was all over the news. Uh, Vapey or Evoli, the e-cigarette <laughs> and vaping-associated lung injury. Right, I do remember a little bit of a, a, a scare there. Bit of a scare, the yeah. Scare. People were getting oh, but, sick. Yeah. 3,000 people actually got sick, according to the CDC, and even 68 people died from it. So a, a, a study just came out, and it found that um, states that had legalized cannabis had legal cannabis programs in place during the, uh, the lung illness breakout were far, far less likely to have people get sick. In fact, they were 42% less likely 
to have these uh, lung illness cases. And uh, also states that allowed medical pot patients to grow their own cannabis were 60% less likely. So uh, obviously, you know, this has a lot to do with regulation, but a really interesting study. The one difference was Massachusetts, which did have a legal cannabis law in place at the time. They actually had the highest incidence of um, e-volley. But if you remember, the governor there shut down the sale of all vapes. So when this lung illness broke out, they forbid selling any vape products, all the cartridges. They had to be destroyed, they had to be thrown out, they had to be quarantined. And because of that, perhaps, uh, they did not see that reduced rate of lung illness incidents. So there you yeah, go. Yeah, well, clearly, you know, vapes that are, you know, made in an unregulated market can be dangerous and vapes that are in a regulated market are safer. That seems to be quite obvious. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it should be obvious to not just us as like cannabis consumers, but to scientists and politicians and anyone else out there that, you know, having a regulated market results in a safer product. So uh, I do hope that uh, people will learn from this. And, you know, if you're going to vape, at least get your vape from a reliable source and not, you know, your buddy who's making them in his basement uh, with a bathtub. And I would say that for uh, a lot of things <laughs> that are out there, you know, I mean, uh, it's important to know what you're, what you're putting in your body and what you're getting. And uh, it's, it seems like it's an argument for uh, legalization and regulation and, uh, you know, just making, putting a safer thing out there for the people who are going to do that thing, whether it's safe or not. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, perhaps it would surprise listeners to know, perhaps not, uh, at the time when this illness was happening, we were saying the same thing, that you're not going to find the, this rate of it in a legal regulated market uh, because it's traditional market uh, items that are being made, as Dan said, in people's basements because they're forced to do it that way that are going to have these additives that are in there that could make people sick. Um, not a surprising study, but a good study uh, to actually put these results out there for people who still haven't realized that regulated drugs are safer and better for society than unregulated drugs. Yeah. And I mean, you know, gin that you buy at the store is a lot better than the, the stuff you brew up in your bathtub, you know? <laughs> but anyway, that is a bit of a look at what's going on in the world of cannabis. Um, but you should stay tuned for the show. We have a great cultivation segment, a strain of the fortnight, but before all that, a really exciting interview. Yes, indeed. We are going to be speaking with Jesse Horton. He's the CEO of Loud Cultivation, uh, L-O-W-D, Cultivation in Portland. He's also the co-founder of MCBA, which is the Minority Cannabis Business Association, and the New Leaf Project. So I think without further ado, uh, let's take a break and come back with our interview with Jesse Horton. If you're ready to start your own home grow, you're going to need some seeds. Fortunately, our sponsor Rocket Seeds has you covered. You can find seeds for hundreds of high-quality cannabis varieties at rocketseeds.com, including many of our strains of the Fortnite. Rocket Seeds boasts an incredible inventory of quality-tested cannabis seeds. Whether you're looking for feminized, autoflowering, regular, CBD, or fast version seeds, Rocket Seeds has it all. Plus, Rocket Seeds ships internationally and discreetly and provides excellent customer service. 
And as a special promotion just for our listeners, you can use the code GBY10 to get 10% off your order at Rocket Seeds. So follow at Rocket Seeds on Instagram. Remember to tell them Danny sent you. And check out rocketseeds.com today and get growing. All right, welcome back, you guys. And we have a special guest for you this week. We are speaking with Jesse Horton. He is the CEO at Loud, uh, spelled L-O-W-D, uh, headquartered in Portland, Oregon. Uh, and it's an urban craft cultivation, uh, award-winning cannabis company, uh, as well as uh, he's also the co-founder of the Minority Cannabis Business Association and much more. So uh, welcome, Jesse, to the show. Thank you so much, Danny. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your background uh, because you uh, have certainly suffered uh, the consequences of cannabis prohibition. Uh, so, can you tell me a little bit about? Uh, uh, I guess maybe we can start with what happened to your dad, and then and then kind of your early experiences with cannabis. Yeah, sure. So, um, my dad uh, is one of the smartest guys I know. Uh, one of the most talented, really big people person, connects with people uh, very well. Um, I really look, look up to him in a lot of ways. And before he uh, was headed to University of North Carolina, um, he actually was arrested um, for cannabis and sentenced to seven years and ended up spending four years in prison. So uh, that, you know, thankfully he was able to get out and kind of get back on the right track. But when he did get another job, it uh, only only job he could get was as a janitor. So he had to work his way up at the same company over 35 years to um, to retire, you know, in upper management. And I'll often think, you know, what if, you know, him being one of the most talented guys I've ever met, what if he didn't have to um, start, you know, as a janitor? And I think that's kind of, you know, a lot of um, what we think about when we look at the war on drugs, cannabis prohibition, that, you know, maybe someone didn't go to jail for the rest of their life. Um, but these little incremental arrests affect uh, families, generations, and so on and so forth. So, you know, after he got out of out of prison and got a great job, he tried his hardest to keep me away from cannabis, um, not because he didn't believe in the plant, but primarily because he thought that, you know, I would end up um, in the criminal justice system, similar to him. Um, ultimately, that did happen. Uh, I, I was arrested a few times for minor cannabis possession and was lucky enough myself to kind of dig myself out of that hole to, um, you know, to ultimately find a great career and, and luckily move on into the cannabis industry. Uh, you also lost a scholarship and ended up somehow becoming an engineer. Can you talk talk a little bit about that? Yeah, certainly. Um, this was my second time actually being arrested for cannabis. And um, the scholarship uh, that I had essentially uh, was um, the the foundation. When they found out I had an arrest, they uh, took my scholarship away for the next semester. And, uh, you know, I didn't have any money ultimately to pay for the courses. So I had to drop out for about a semester um, and get, you know, get a job and save up enough money to get back in. So uh, it was it was definitely a trying period, you know, throughout college and, and dealing with that of, you know, 
ultimately feeling like maybe I, you know, lost my chance to be in college and kind of fighting through that. I also uh, ended up losing a job opportunity at, you know, one of the the biggest engineering firms in the country, uh, in the world, uh, General Electric, when I uh, failed the hair test, actually. So, um, you know, that caused definitely a, a minor depression in my senior year in college and trying to figure out, you know, whether or not I was going to be able to find a job after after all that education. So um, it definitely played its played a toll on on me as I was growing up and um, or excuse me, I paid a toll by using cannabis. And and luckily I was able to kind of navigate out of it. You know, a lot of people aren't. And a lot of people aren't able to kind of get over that depression and don't have the resources that I had to help them out of out of that hole. So that's part of the reason why we do a lot of that work uh, while we're in the cannabis industry. Yeah. And uh, you also spent some time in Europe, uh, in, in Germany and uh, some leisure time in Amsterdam as well. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that and, and uh, you know, how you got over there and, and, and what that experience uh, meant for you? Yeah, it was really fond memories. I'm actually heading back in a month, hopefully, if they let me in with uh, COVID. Um, but the first time I went to uh, to to Amsterdam was my after I graduated college and did find another job, so I was a little bit more relieved. Um, I went out to Amsterdam for the Cannabis Cup uh, with a couple of buddies and really just was amazed at the freedom as it related to cannabis consumption. And, um, you know, which was completely opposite from what I experienced in the South, in the Southeastern U.S. So that was just almost like a wonderland to me. And when I got on with uh, Siemens after General Electric rescinded my offer because of failing the hair test, Siemens is a German company. So I ended up spending a couple of years with them before they gave me the opportunity to do an international delegation in Munich. So when I went out to Munich um, at the headquarters, I, you know, often found myself, um, you know, with many of the other colleagues were going to parties and hanging out during the weekend. I was heading, you know, getting on a train and going right up to Amsterdam and just spending my weekends, you know, during that summer, um, you know, just sitting on the canal and just dreaming and thinking uh, about how lucky I was to, you know, then have that job and be in Amsterdam, but also, um, you know, that freedom of cannabis consumption and cannabis in general and not being afraid and being open really just um, really uh, stayed with me uh, and kind of became a part of me after all those trips back and forth uh, to Amsterdam. Yeah. So then, uh, then you came back and, and started uh, medical cannabis cultivation uh, for some patients and, and that was in Portland, correct? Yeah. When I, um, Ended my delegation. The company said, you know, you can come back to the U.S. They offered me a position in New York or in Portland. And, you know, really, I was automatically going to take New York. But as I was talking to a lot of my friends there that I made uh, from so many different parts of the world, uh, Russia, Japan, China, uh, many different places in South America, and I told them about my options, um, surprisingly, you know, a lot of them were suggesting Portland. And I, I never even knew where Oregon was on the map. Um, so it was very, very surprising. But, um, you know, that that sparked my interest or piqued my interest. 
and I went out to go visit. You know, I, I thought I liked the position. I really, really loved the West Coast, uh, which reminded me a lot of Europe. So um, I decided to, to take a chance and um, and head out to uh, head out to Portland. And how did uh, being a medical grower eventually become, you know, founding uh, Loud? Tell me a little bit about uh, how, how you made that transition from being a caregiver to founding uh, a big, a bigger grow. Yeah, just the, you know, the transition was just 100% out of love. You know, within the first three months of moving to Portland, I went and got my, um, my growers, uh, you know, my medical card. And, you know, I wanted to grow more plants. So one of my fraternity brothers, you know, said he was really interested. Him and his wife were interested in the medical, the medicinal aspects of cannabis. And would love to have a grower for some of the ailments they were experiencing. So um, I decided to, uh, you know, to go ahead and jump in, add them as patients and start growing in my basement. And, you know, with, with that, you know, I just really was hating my job more and more. And it was just a natural, like, what do I do? You know, I hate my job. I'm actually spending more time in the basement than, you know, I'm spending at work, you know, when I should be going to customer meetings and customer calls, I'm in the basement trying to diagnose, you know, plant issues and figure out what this or that bug is. So, you know, I really quickly became horrible at my job and I was scared that I was going to get fired. So that was really the kind of the impetus to me saying, okay, maybe I should try out this cannabis industry. So I kind of was, they were deciding the medical laws in Oregon at the time. There was already a medical market, but they were regulating it more with House Bill 3460, I believe. It was called. Um, so I, you know, was going down to Salem, um, about an hour and a half from Portland, sitting in those legislative halls as they decided the rules and learning as much as I could, learning who the players were, um, and you know, decided to take that leap. Right, and uh, you know, people may have seen you in our, our friend Fab Five Freddy's uh, documentary called "Grass Is Greener," uh, which was really about. Uh, you know, people of color and how, how they've suffered from the war on drugs, but then also haven't really been uh, benefiting uh, quite as much uh, from the legalization. Uh, and tell me, tell me a little bit about uh, Loud and kind of what, what sets Loud apart, um, especially in an area like Portland where, you know, it's, it's probably f- fairly uh, uh, monocultural. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, Loud is, is, I mean, we're a primarily minority-owned company. You know, I'm, I'm definitely the leader and the face, the CEO of the company. Um, so without a doubt, uh, you know, we, we fit in the Black-owned box. And, but I, I think what we focus on more than anything is being a, a light or a flag for traditional cannabis culture. And the pioneers who are, are not benefiting either, I think, in a lot of ways, um, the, the culture that is more so being seen as taboo now that it is cannabis is a part of mainstream culture, um, making sure that, you know, the, the flavor and diversity and the authenticity of cannabis and who we are and who our growers are, right, is, is there. That, that's what we focus on is is holding and waving that flag. Um, but, you know, with that being said, you can't do that without having the, the, the premium cannabis, without loving cultivation, without loving genetics 
and you know trying to bring those genetics to the market at peak performance. So the the acronym of Loud stands for Love Our Weed Daily, and you know it goes into people like like me, people like you, I believe, who are consuming on a daily basis, right? And you know we're very highly discerning of the cannabis that we select, the genetics that we select. We're we're knowledgeable about what's out there. And, you know, we, we grow and we select uh, strains and, and products um, based on what we think will satisfy that market specifically. Right. Now, you mentioned the acronym for LOUD. Uh, you have another one, uh, which is SLAG or Smoke Like a Grower. Can you tell me, uh, and, and that has to do, I guess, with, with the curing process and the jarring of the cannabis. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. So in, in trying to think, how do we really differentiate our company in, in a flower cultivation market um, where there's so many producers. Some people will see it as a saturated market. It's very important for us to figure out how do we differentiate. And, you know, in doing that, I just think about who we are and what we like and what we enjoy since we believe we are the demographic that we're trying to, to please. So, you know, in doing that, I quickly realized that when you go and get, you know, say you're waiting for this drop or you're waiting for this strain, you go and get an ounce, right? Because you're waiting for a half ounce. You love that strain. You love that cultivator. And unfortunately, what you get is, is kind of a mixed bag a lot of times, right? You get some big buds. You get some small buds. Sometimes you get all small buds. Um, sometimes those buds are beat up, you know, through a lot of the packaging and handling. They've been, you know, opened up and smelled. They've been weighed at the retailer. They've been weighed at the cultivator a couple times. They may have been weighed at the distributor. So, I mean, if you're if you're just if you just put cannabis in a baggie and leave it there and you take it out, you can see all the crystals and the trichomes that are there. It's a very delicate flower. So there's a lot of value in that. So what we decided to do was kind of create that grower's experience that we all love. Um, that it makes us love being a grower where you can go into that drying room and you can pick your head stash. You know, you can pick the best buds, right? Not the biggest, not the smallest, but these medium nugs, right? What you think is the the best representation of that strain. And you can select those buds and you can kind of manicure that very, you know, tightly the way that you like it and trim it because it's only an ounce or whatnot. So you do that yourself and you put it in your favorite jar, right? That you know is going to let it breathe and get it what it needs. So that's what we do with the slag jars. Um, Smoke Like a Grower is about us going in and selecting the best buds, giving it the absolute best manicure, stick trimming it, never touching those buds, um, and then putting that, trimming it directly into these, what I've we've hunted forever is also the best jars for curing. And we put them in these UV-resistant jars that we believe are the best um, and that really help to accentuate that flower and make it better and better. Um, and, and that's what we do. We cure it a little longer before we bring it to the market, but then we release those in limited editions um, of certain strains so that when people get, get there and get it, they are essentially smoking uh, the best of that particular strain and they are the first ones to touch those strains. Yeah, it's amazing. It's it, they they're the first the consumer is the first one to actually handle the bud. I think that's uh rather unique in the market, especially, you know, the uh uh 
legal market for sure. Um, tell me some of your favorite strains that you guys grow uh, and, you know, what, what sets them apart? Yeah, of course. So, um, you know, the way we categorize our strains um, are there's a couple, a few that we bred ourselves, you know, either by accident or, you know, on purpose um, and hunted ourselves, right, that we're really proud of that are loud bred strains. Um, the one most popular of that is Platinum Garlic Cookies. That's really doing very, very well in the market. It's across a GMO and Platinum Girl Scout cookies. That was a real powerhouse in Oregon for a long time that we kept throughout the years. Um, and we also hunt strains. So loud, um, loud uh, strains essentially are the ones that we have hunted and have gone through the, some of the best genetics out there, the best breeders, and have found. Uh, one of the ones that is really doing very, very well in the market that's killing it is um, uh, Cake Mints, M-I-N-T-S, which is a cross of Cushmints uh, 11 and Wedding Cake F3. Uh, so Cush Cake is a Wedding Cake direct cross, uh, cross with Cushmints 11. But this is a, a, a back cross a uh, number of times. Cush uh, Cake Mints, or excuse me, Wedding Cake, Cross with um, cross with uh, Cushman's Eleven, that really uh, is really special. That the market is eating up. Um, we also have a legendary um, kind of list that are loud classics that are you know like the Mac One right that was passed down you know through some of the best growers. Wedding cake that is just a classic that really adds a lot to the market that we still grow. Um, and even one that is a legendary one that is grown by uh, a guy from Portland called Scrappy. He, he bred Dog Walker, which is really famous, and a couple others. But he also had his own select. Um, Scooby Snacks is what he did before Archive had it. He has his um, select uh, strength that we call Scrappy that is just a powerhouse that we only release in the blunt. So. We kind of like to hit each of those categories. We think it, it, it brings something to the market. Yeah. Um, tell me also a little bit about the Resource Innovation Institute, because uh, that's about making indoor growing more sustainable and efficient. Uh, and what are some of the ways uh, that that uh, institute that you're involved in uh, is, is finding to actually make it more sustainable and efficient? Does it have to do with packaging, lighting, uh, electrical use? Yeah, great question. So Resource Innovation Institute, uh, I actually, um, before going to Germany, when I was with Siemens, I spent time in their energy and environmental services business unit. And we ran around to different industrial facilities, um, coke factories, um, manufacturing factories, like BMW, pulp and paper mills, all these different verticals to try to identify projects to reduce their carbon footprint. Um, so I was lucky to, to find RII, uh, Derek Smith, the leader, and they're actually here in Portland um, because they're the leading organization in the country that's focused um, actually not just on cannabis cultivation, but also indoor agriculture in general, which is a really, really fast growing vertical considering climate change. Um, and, you know, what the Resource Innovation Institute is doing is um, really important. Uh, one, gathering data, working with different cultivators, 
um, and focused on cultivation as it relates to cannabis, but also looking at packaging, um, looking at water in addition to energy. So but we're focused primarily right now on gathering data sets with cultivation to really understand what's happening so that we're no longer comparing cannabis cultivation with residential um, you know, uh, energy use. So it's just completely different when you look at the value that it brings to the market and how you should really be measuring um, industries and energy use. So understanding that data by building the biggest um, uh, data set of cannabis cultivators across the country so that we can benchmark and understand what are what's really happening and where we need to improve. Second, um, understanding what are the best practices. So working with the best technical experts uh, in the industry and out of the industry, equipment suppliers, utility providers, um, systems integrators, regulators, all the different people that are ultimately understanding and shaping this picture Resource Innovation Institute is understanding what the best practices are and sharing them. Um, and I think um, really the third piece is educating without a doubt, you know, about, you know, what's out there, what incentives are there, making sure that policies are being developed, uh, making sure that regulations are sensible so that uh, the industry is not hampered or hindered by, you know, ultimately what we've been hindered by this whole time is fear-based regulations uh, from people who really don't quite understand the industry. They don't understand consumers. Um, and they have some kind of some of these, um, you know, negative stereotypes, uh, which when they play out in regulations can be disastrous for businesses, for patients and consumers, uh, most importantly. So uh, I think those are the three areas where um, they're really, uh, we're, we're making the most headway and where we are really leading the industry as it relates to these topics. That's excellent. Um, now tell me also a little bit about New Leaf Project. That's N-U Leaf Project uh, and uh, your co-founder on that and also uh, what you guys do as far as uh, that organization. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think cannabis is an interesting industry in that um, the duality uh, it, it multiplies, right? This this idea of the moral good that we can do in the industry because of the history, but then also the amount of money and the economic opportunity and, and what that can do for uh, everyone involved. So to me, um, it's easy for me because of the way that my life has been impacted, how cannabis has affected me. That's easy for me to understand the value that I can bring to the market. I understand certain things. I understand where people are coming from. So I focus on those things. And and within cannabis, it is, you know, about this issue of cannabis arrests and how it hurt our community. Um, but also it's the issue of how can we get into this industry and make money so that we can also do more good. The more good you do, the more money you make. The more money you make, the more good you can do. That's not always a, a direct line, I think, in other industries. Um and it's not always as important as it is uh, in the industry and where we are right now. So, you know, I focus, I try to focus with my business primarily on just producing the best weed for people who want to smoke weed. And everything that we can do that's good there is great. And we will do everything we can do. But I primarily focus on these nonprofit efforts like MCBA. Um, and once we left MCBA, my wife and I, we wanted to focus more 
squarely on economic uplift within our community and within the cannabis industry. That's, that's what New Leaf ultimately is all about. In doing that, we stepped down from MCBA in 2017 and started uh, primarily because I got kicked out of my first growth facility in 2017. We had our first kid in 2017. So we really couldn't focus as much on the national organizing as much. Uh, so we decided to focus on business myself. But then we had so many opportunities locally to help that we started the New Leaf Project. And what we're doing with that is is primarily helping business owners, business hopefuls, and career professionals to benefit from the cannabis industry. Um, and what we're doing is joining with entities like the city of Portland that utilizes some of the cannabis tax, which is the first city in the nation, a lot of people don't know, to allocate some of its cannabis tax for these economic uplift issues specifically related to cannabis and people of color or people that have been targeted by cannabis prohibition enforcement. So city of Portland gives us a piece of the cannabis tax through Prosper Portland, the development arm. Uh, we work with businesses, big businesses like Hawthorne Gardening, like Cookies, like um, uh, Wild, uh, like... Uh, uh, I'm sorry if I'm forgetting about some of these organizations. My wife is the executive director, but even small companies, um, or excuse me, Wana Brands, I definitely want to mention them. Small companies like Loud, like my company, like, um, you know, other black and brown owned businesses locally, right, to, to um, get money together and utilize these resources to give out 0% interest loans and grants. We're crossing over the million dollar mark this year um, in 0% uh, interest loans and grants that primarily go to these business owners. Um, and also to help to place career professionals in these areas um, to help them to add value to these different companies that need uh, a lot of the, the innovation and need uh, the, the people, right, to keep going and to keep growing. So. That's really uh, what we focus on with New Leaf. It's been very successful under the leadership of my wife, um, Jeanette, and um, you know, really proud about you know about that work and about about the idea is very simple of utilizing the prosperity of the industry to help to further these causes, financial prosperity. So working with businesses as well as tax appropriation through regulations and um, through cities uh and, and states to um to help these causes directly and we're we're tracking the projects we're not just giving money away uh we're really seeing massive benefits in these companies you just i i know and this is why it's so easy i know that if someone can give me sensible capital of twenty thirty thousand dollars you know as you're getting bigger that you know is more is more difficult to do with but as you're starting off Twenty, thirty thousand dollars, especially if it's a grant, means the world because I can invest in projects that have very sound, strong ROIs. And once you can stack enough of those up, then you start to see business success. So that's what we're really focused on with um, a lot of these entrepreneurs uh, locally and, and even growing uh, in other states like Colorado and, and Texas. Yeah, I mean, a lot of our listeners are. Uh, home growers, uh, medical caregivers, cultivators uh, that are interested, I think a lot of them in uh, starting a small business and, you know, finding opportunities uh, in legal cannabis. What would your advice be 
to them as far as entering into the business, competing with some of the larger, you know, companies and brands, and then scaling up in order to uh, maintain quality without, you know, uh, hurting, I guess, the integrity of the, of the product they're producing. Yeah, that's that's a great question, man. I, you know, I would kind of probably sum it up in, in, a, in a couple of different areas. First, really understand how flexible you are. Um, some people really want to kind of wait it out and stay in their state, right? And because they have roots there, but the way the regulations will 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 shape out will really greatly determine what your options are in that state. So you must be flexible in that standpoint, right? So how are you going to be flexible? You got to be flexible no matter what. And the other way is, um, you know, if if you want to be a cultivator, if you want, if you feel like that's where you add value, then you need to be willing to look at other states and look at the opportunity that you can, you know, per, you know, open up there. Um, and then I would say from that point, you know, once you figure that out, you know your regulations, you know who the players are, you know what you're going to do, you know the market, that's a given, you got to do that. Um, then you got to really figure out where you can add value and where you can differentiate. It's not always where you think. It's not always what you think is the most glamorous. For example, I wanted to be a, a cult. I wanted, I wanted to have a dispensary. I was sure that I was going to have, even, even when I was growing and loving growing, I still, for some reason, thought that dispensary was the way to go. So um, I was focused on that. And, you know, I'm lucky that that was not the first thing that presented itself to me. So um, you've got to figure out where you add value. The cultivation space is definitely where I add the most value. So I'm glad that that's where I found my space and where I've been able to separate from all the other companies out there, right? There's so many different ways to differentiate, no matter who you are. I don't give a damn. Like I said, we differentiated from just flower production and really nobody's really doing that other than genetics and the way that they're growing. So there are even way, other, other ways to do it there, right? Areas where people think that every stone stone has been has been turned, it certainly hasn't because the industry is at the beginning and it's just starting. So you got to focus on that and figure out where do I specifically add value to where I can do things differently that people care about and that moves the market. And I know it moves the market because of this and because of that. The way that I knew that it moved the market because I'm the demographic. I think that's the best way. If it's if you're the people that you're going after, I think that's where you have the best opportunity to find real value um, in what you're doing. And then I would say prove that concept. You know, go hard, do everything you can before you think about looking for venture capital. That's another thing. Maybe venture capital works for some people, but I think we're all trained to believe that that is what we need to to make it happen. Um, and I don't think that if, for example, if I would have gotten venture capital when I first started out, we've never gotten venture capital, but if I would have gotten that when I first started out, I would have been F I would have been, you know, I'm not sure who your, your listeners are, but I would have been screwed. You know what I mean? Because they would have, I wouldn't, there was no way I could have added the value that I can add before they came in. You know what I mean? Like they would have said they're adding more of the value. Therefore they get a bigger piece of the pie. But the more you can prove the value that you add out there in the market, the more you're in the driver's seat and you can start to select where you want to go and what you want to do. And that's where I, I think, you know, as a small company, as an entrepreneur, as somebody who's not well backed, I think that's the best position uh, to be in, in this market. Wow, that's very solid advice. Uh, thank you so much 
uh, Jesse Horton. You can follow him on Instagram. It's J-E-S-C-E-H-O-R-T-O-N uh, on Instagram. And then also The Loud, at The Loud, L-O-W-D, uh, on Instagram. And you can see all the different projects he's involved in, New Leaf Project, uh, Resource Innovation, and everything there. And also go to loud, L-O-W-D.com, to find out more about uh, what they do. Thank you so much, Jesse, for being on the show and uh, really appreciate you taking your time with us. Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. I really appreciate it. We will be back after these messages with more Grow Bud Yourself. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Sweet Leaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. So check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S-U-I-T-E-L-E-A-F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweet Leaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. All Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. Hey, all right. Welcome back. And thank you to Jesse Horton for the interview. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, we are in the cultivation segment now. I want to mention our uh, advertiser, Sweetleaf, uh, is still running the October uh, promo. Uh, it's an exclusive new product drop for Grow Bud Yourself podcast members only. So people who subscribe to our Patreon will get a free 32-ounce bottle of Sweetleaf plant nutrients, uh, the new Crazy K005 before anyone else. It is a potassium booster designed for late stage gardening systems. So sign up now as either a Big Bud or a Heady Chief level supporter on our Patreon site and get a free 32 ounce bottle. Uh, if you're already a Big Bud or a Heady Chief, we'll make sure to get that out to you as well. Um, thank you for your support. I really appreciate it. And I do believe it's also been a fortnight. <laughs> That must be what that mysterious music is. <laughs> and yes, this is a Fortnite. And yes, this is a Fortnite. Strain of the Fortnite. What do you got for us? Uh, what do you got for us this week? Strain of the Fortnite. <laughs> Strain of the Fortnite. It's Strain of the Fortnite time. What do you got this week or this Fortnite? Yeah, so I want to talk about a strain that's very popular. It is called Wedding Cake, and it comes from Seed Junkie uh, Genetics. And it's basically, it's got a bunch of different names at this point, and there's been a lot of crosses um, involved as well. Uh, people call it Triangle Mints uh, number 23. People call it uh, Pink Cookies, particularly in Canada. It's known as Pink Cookies. Um, but basically, it's a cross of Triangle Kush and Animal Mints, uh, and uh, basically also a clone only. I mean, a lot of people uh, are looking around for it, and there's seeds around here and there. Um, even, actually, our advertiser has seeds of it, uh, but you won't 
I don't think you can find them directly from Seed Junkie, but you can find them at Rocket Seeds um, and other places as well. Um, there is a lot of interest in this. Uh, Wedding Cake has won a lot of awards. It actually won um, Best Hybrid Flower at a Cannabis Cup in SoCal in 2018. And I remember trying it and just being blown away uh, just how... Uh, amazing the flavor is that vanilla cake frosting uh, aroma um, just really frosty with resin as well but that particularly that that vanilla kind of cake and I think that's what what obviously gave it the name wedding cake Uh, but it really does have that Um, and I think it was the jungle boys that gave it the name wedding cake Um, because it it, it is like that vanilla cake frosting and it's not, not like vanilla uh, fresh vanilla, but like the frosting that they use it really, uh, an amazing strain produces decent yields. If you grow it, um, definitely stretches a lot, uh, pretty dense. Uh, and then again, of course, vanilla is the dominant scent, but there's also uh piney and lemon scent, uh, coming off of that as well. Uh, sea junkie. I mean, you can't go wrong with pretty much anything bred by, uh, sea junkie genetics, uh, so, you know, you got that going for you. Um, Leafly actually called it their strain of the year in 20 or one of their strains of the year in, in 2019. So it is really popular. Uh, it does help medical patients with uh, pain, insomnia and appetite loss. So it definitely will stimulate the appetite uh, and also maybe put you to sleep <laughs> and at very least uh, relieve some of the body and, and back pain that people have. Um, so yeah, that's uh, wedding cake. I hope you guys uh, enjoy it. It is available in a lot of different dispensaries these days, um, so you can find it. And if it's the real deal, I think you will enjoy it. Um, so celebrate with some wedding cake. Strain of the fortnight, wedding cake, excellent. And uh, now it is time, as our listeners know, for a grow tip each week. Dan likes to provide a tip that will help you become a better grower. So what do you want to talk about this week? Yeah, so this is a very delicate stage. I want to talk about watering and feeding seedlings and also uh, freshly rooted clones. Um, Typically, you know, when you're growing seedlings or clones, they're usually in pretty small, uh, either plugs or rockwell cubes, some kind of small containers because you're you're popping seeds uh, and you might be popping a bunch of them. Uh, So they're in pretty small containers. And at some point, uh, you don't want those tiny things to get root bound. Uh, and you want to transplant those into a larger container uh, for the veg stage. Now, it doesn't have to be the container that they're going to be in for the rest of their lives. Uh, you can use even uh, those red solo cups that people use. As long as it's a, 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 an opaque and doesn't allow light to reach the roots, you can use pretty much anything. But uh, you're going to want holes in the bottom of that container to make sure that you're not uh, overfilling it with water and so that water can drain out. Um, the other thing is, uh, you definitely don't want it to be root bound. It will slow your rate of growth. So don't let, uh, rooted clones or seedlings sit in those tiny containers for too long. I can't stress that too much, uh, because a lot of times I'll see them and they'll just have roots poking out the bottom and they're raring to go, but they just don't have anywhere to, uh, to attach to. And it slows your growth rates down. It could harm the plants. Um, as for watering, you know, the plant throughout its life prefers a wet uh, and dry cycle, not totally dry, but almost dry. Uh, 
overfeeding, um, overfeeding and overwatering seedlings is very easy to do. Um, so just determine, lift up the containers, determine uh, by the weight of the container whether they're uh, watered or if they're getting dry. And if they are, you know, seemingly light and dry, then you can water with pH balanced uh, plain water uh, for the most part, 6.0 to 6.5. Uh, or you can use a really mild nutrient solution. I would say, um, you know, start with quarter strength of whatever is recommended on your vegging solution. You got to keep in mind um, that the dietary needs of, of a young plant is pretty low. Um, they don't have a lot of roots to take in that food, uh, nor do they have much of an actual plant to support. Uh, and the other thing is a lot of these grow mediums usually have nutrients added to them. So, you know, the first two, three weeks, even sometimes a month, uh, you can just water with plain water and they'll be absorbing whatever newts are in that soil or mix. Um, so just remember that less is more. Uh, if seedlings look healthy, uh, they're growing and uh, everything's fine, just keep watering with either plain water or your very mild nutrient solution. If you see a, a, them start to fade a little, um, that's when you can bump up the fertilizer a little bit. But even then, I would say stick with, you know, half strength of what's recommended typically uh, until the seedling's about six to eight inches tall uh, with several sets of leaves. And uh, most seedlings or clones should reach that stage uh, within two to three weeks of, uh, of when they started rooting or when they were germinated. So uh, just remember, it's always easier to add more nutrients than it is to remove any kind of overabundance of them. And this is such a delicate stage of life um, that you really don't want to overdo it. Uh, it's also an important time to keep the lights nice and low, uh, to keep the environment uh, in the proper parameters. And also, uh, you know, keeping the light low will keep the plant short and stocky. And uh, you can also foliar feed, um, misting the plant uh, in order to also kind of strengthen it a little bit as well and it'll take in some of that moisture and even mild newts in through the leaves but it'll also get a little stronger um, just from having to carry the the droplets of water so uh, that is my tip for watering and feeding seedlings and freshly rooted clones and basically from that point on you're ready to you know really kick it into full veg and I would go from those red solo cups into at least bare minimum uh, one gallon container and uh, ideally maybe three to five gallons into uh, when you're going to start flowering and I would not transplant them once flowering has begun so do all your transplanting during veg if you're going to do it uh, two or three times just make sure it's all during veg and not during flowering and you will see tremendous growth rates so feed and water your seedlings or rooted clones properly and you will have much stronger plants in the future. All right, very good grow tip, um, watering those seedlings and, uh, and clones. So now it is time to take some questions from our listeners, and if you have a question that you would like answered, uh, get in touch with us. You could email us, that is info at growbudyourself.com. Uh, what do you say we hop right in here? Let's do it. All right, let's start it off with uh, Mike L., who writes... Uh, I'm in the process of switching over to homemade deep water culture system, and I was wondering where the water level should be. Should the water level touch the bottom of the pot completely submerging the roots, or should the roots be about three quarters to halfway or less submerged? So yeah, what would you say to Mike L? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, deep water culture is a great way to grow if you love hydro and you love growing big plants because each plant gets its own uh, container and that's that makes what makes it deep water culture. So it's in its own five gallon or larger bucket and it's basically the roots are being misted. The, the, there's a nutrient solution in the bucket, uh, but the roots are also being misted with that nutrient solution. So it doesn't have to, the roots don't have to touch uh, the bottom, but uh, there's different times when you can have uh, the levels higher or lower, um, depending. So uh, the water level can lower as your plants and root system grows bigger. Um, at first it should basically touch the bottom of your net pots that sit into the bucket. Um, in order for the roots to be able to reach the nutrient solution early on, because there's not a lot of roots, um, as those roots grow down, uh, you can lower that water level so that the roots dangle in the water, um, but the level isn't reaching all the way up to the net pots because um, the important thing is that oxygen reach those roots as well as solution. So if you keep them well misted, uh, they can dangle into the water, but you don't necessarily want all the roots always in water. You always want to oxygenate that solution with an air pump and air stones uh, to ensure that those roots are getting oxygen. Uh, you want to make sure that uh, whatever you're using as a mister doesn't clog so that uh, the roots don't dry out. That's very important in deep water culture. One of the cool things is if the roots are reaching the nutrient solution, uh, hopefully they're not going to die entirely if the mister fails because uh, the plants do have access to nutrient solution. Um, depending on how strong your air pump is, the bubbles can burst at the top and tiny droplets will reach those roots uh, but you definitely want misters as well the more aeration the better um, and as the water level drops you also uh, you know the plant's going to be taking up nutrient solutions some of the uh, solution is going to be evaporating so you want to add more uh, nutrient solution for hydro and dwc i try to dial it in around 5.8 uh, and you want to add that solution as needed so you don't get super concentrated solution or uh, any kind of big uh, part per million fluctuations or pH fluctuations. But um, when you dial in deep water culture, you can practically watch the plants grow um, and you can grow real big plants with huge yields in just, uh, you know, five gallons or, or bigger containers. So good luck with that. And uh, just remember to keep those roots, roots moist and keep the solution aerated and oxygenated at the proper temperature and uh, proper parts per million of nutrient solution and you'll be great you'll be golden all right hope that helps you out there mike l let's move on to jake and bake who writes uh when flushing plants at the end of flowering do you use ph balanced and filtered water or do you simply grab the hose and flush uh, also at what week do you flush and do you just flush once a lot of questions there. Uh, what would you say to Jake and Bake? Yeah, I mean, basically, I'd say that plain water is fine for flushing as long as the pH isn't out of whack, um, you know, below 5 or, or above, you know, something like 7.5 or so. Uh, most tap water is going to fit that parameter, uh, but you still want to check it. Some people have well water um, that can fluctuate, uh, reservoir water. It really depends on your water. Uh, in some cases, it might be worth it to get some distilled water or a reverse osmosis machine. Um, it certainly helps if the plants uh, are suffering from bad water as well. So you can use that for, for when the plants are growing or for flushing as well. Um, flushing is the process of using 
plain water without any nutrients added. Uh, it's in order to leach excess plant food out uh, that builds up over time. So your plant is constantly storing plant food uh, within the, the cells and flowers and, uh, and in the root zone as well. Uh, so you want to flush just to get rid of a lot of that. Uh, you want to flush basically for the last week for sure. Uh, some people go much longer, two weeks, three weeks of flowering before the harvest. And you want to have a large amount of water. You don't want to do it just once. You, you do it a few times. Uh, you want two to three times the volume of your container. So if you're flushing a five-gallon bucket, you could use uh, somewhere between 10 to 15 gallons of plain water for the flush. Um, and you do that... Uh, you know, as needed, basically every few days or so in the last couple of weeks of growth, and you'll you'll get better burning flour. Uh, you'll have more flavor uh, and odor, and and the terpenes will just be popping. It'll be much better. You may see some fall coloring, even some yellowing of the leaves, uh, but that's perfectly natural. It's actually a good sign. Um, I hate to see plants that are uh, finishing and they're still bright, bright, you know, or dark, dark green. Uh, it just shows that they, they still have a lot of chlorophyll and newts, uh, and salts in them. So I do like to see that the fall colors, the reds and the purpling and, and, and yellowing towards the end there. And you might even see some leaves, leaves drop off. It's not a big deal. Those are fan leaves. Uh, their job is done at that point. And those built up salts and mineral minerals won't be there. And that will, will keep it from being grassy and green and fresh. Uh, tasting and also uh, the burn will be proper it'll burn to a clean uh, white wispy ash and that's really what you want uh, for medicinal grade cannabis or connoisseur quality cannabis it's got to burn right um, i know there's a lot of controversy over this whether it's organic or not it should be flushed at the end and it, it does improve and enhance the quality uh, and the experience of that of consumption so uh that's basically my take on on flushing and uh just a lot of plain water at the end and you will you will find that the buds will taste and smoke and smell better all right danny's take on flushing goes beyond if it's brown flush it down if it's yellow it's mellow <laughs> uh thank you jake and bake let's go to clarky g who writes what up danny and mike Happy Croptober from Humboldt County. I just wanted to say I'm a big fan of the show and what you guys do. I'm only on episode 23, but I plan to listen to all of them eventually while working on the farm or in my grow room. Now see, it's all downhill after 23. He's at like the, the apex of this. <laughs> anyway, he continues, uh, I recently purchased Danny's book and I was curious why he recommends using regular seeds rather than feminized seeds for a mother plant. I recently purchased some fem seeds, and I was planning to use them as moms to run a small light depth next season. Uh, I've read other articles that say fem seeds are great for mothers, so I'm just curious what the reason would be not to use them for moms. Thanks, guys. Much love. So, what do you got here for Clarky G? Defend your book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my reasoning behind this has a lot to do with hybrid vigor. Uh, which is something that you get from an F1 hybrid of two very different things that are crossed together. Uh, and uh, it's a male and a female cross that makes that. And they're distinctly different, and you get that F1 hybrid. And that, to me, is the, the plant that you want to choose for your mom. Uh, because it has that hybrid vigor, 
Uh, it's going to be uh, stronger than its parents, even in many cases, uh, if you select, you know, from from a decent sized population and you pick it and then you determine that it is female. So even though it's regular, you have to go through the process of taking a clone and flowering the clone and figuring out uh, what you're going to get from each of those plants and keep them in the veg stage. Um, I've talked about this a lot of how to how to make your own mother plant, but I don't haven't talked about why I don't prefer feminized seeds. Now, there's nothing wrong with using feminized seeds for a mother plant, and you can do it. And if you find a strain you love and it's feminized, by all means, uh, keep that plant as a mother plant and and grow from it. I just really love um, the extra added boost you get uh, from Hybrid Vigor and an F1 hybrid, and you don't get that from feminized seeds the way that you do from regular seeds. So um, fem seeds to me are one-offs that you grow out and um, and you flower and you see what you get, and then you, you, you know if you want to buy them again, you buy them again. Uh, regular seeds for me are plants you grow out, uh, determine the sex, and then hold on to the female that that you've chosen as your mother plant for a long period of time and grow from the clones of that mother. And all of the plants will, will retain that hybrid vigor uh, that you get. Uh, and basically that just means that they're, they, they grow stronger, uh, faster, and in many cases even uh, uh, with more uh, terpene production and potency. So that's my take on it. There's nothing wrong with feminized seeds for a mother plant. But I think regular seeds are more desirable for a mother plant. All right. We hope that uh, helps you out, Clarky G. We, we got time for one more. So let's go to Facebook. And uh, Rick Grows, he writes, Hey, Danny and Mike, I have a quick question for you. I'm looking for a strain called OG or California OG or Los Angeles OG. I'm trying to find some beans, uh, but is this strain just OG Kush? Hope you can help, and thanks for the podcast. So, yeah, what, what do you think? Yeah, uh, it sounds like uh, just slang for OG Kush, because sometimes people call it California OG, sometimes they call it uh, LA OG, or just OG. So it does sound like the strain you're looking for is OG Kush. There are so many different uh, Kushes out there uh, related to OG Kush and that are called OG Kush. And um, so the nomenclature kind of jumps around people even you know talk about whether og means ocean grown or whether it means original gangster or whether it means something else entirely so uh there's a lot of you know with with strain names and and coming out of the underground and being kind of at the mercy of whoever gave you the cut or whoever sold you the pack uh, uh you know you kind of you know it's like a game of telephone and so one person tells you hey this is a bag of og kush and then someone else tells the next person yeah i got you some og and in that way it just sort of morphs uh into different names and nomenclatures uh but there are plenty of other uh kushes that are available obviously the sfv and all different phenos of og because it's so popular so many people would take a bag seed or cross it with something and try to get back to that original og um, so I do think that what you're looking for is OG Kush, but there's a lot of different options out there. Um, some closer to the original than not. So keep that in mind. And I hope that helps you out. 
All right. Thank you, Rick Groves, and thank you to everybody who wrote in this week. Uh, we're going to do one more question over on Patreon, and that's going to be about uh, nutrients for a hydro system. So head over to uh, to Patreon for a bonus Q&A question. But thanks to everyone who wrote in. If you have a question you would like answered on the show, uh, get in touch with us. The email, once again, is info at growbudyourself.com. Uh, why don't we take a little break, come back, and then wrap this sucker up. Let's do it. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. All right, welcome back, and it's time for the wrap, uh, episode number 75. Hope you guys enjoyed it. I uh, want to thank Jesse Horton uh, of Loud Cultivation. Uh, definitely check them out. I uh, want to thank you guys for listening, everyone who supports us on Patreon. Uh, we love you guys. We've got some exclusive stuff on there for you from last week, uh, some video that we did with Christina DePacci. So check that out, please, before we release that out to the general public. I uh, want to thank our sponsors. Excelsior Extracts. Check out their THC-infused pain relief rub. Uh, find them on Instagram and tell them we sent you. Uh, Sweet Leaf Nutrients. The code is Danko15 for 15% off, as well as a bunch of free stuff if you join Patreon. And even more codes, up to 25% off uh, site-wide. Rocket Seeds. Uh, Rocket Seed Bank. Check them out. Uh, rocketseeds.com. And at Rocket underscore Seeds. GBY10 is the code for 10% off all your seeds there. Um, Organic Rev Growth Stimulant. I uh, want to thank them as well. The code there is GBY10 uh, for 10% off on their site. And you can get that free bottle we mentioned in the intro as well. Um, and Vapor.com is an affiliate. So any of your vaporizer needs, uh, if you're buying any of the uh, hot new vapes or accessories or anything else out there, um, check out Vapor.com and use the code GROWBUDYOURSELF20 for 20% off everything site-wide. And that includes uh, all the vapes, the Paxes, the, um, you know, the Volcanoes, everything, uh, including what I use, which is the Puffco Peak Pro. Uh, 20% off with that code GROWBUDYOURSELF20. Um, thanks to you guys for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed it. That was episode 75. We'll be back next week with 76. Let's put this one in the books.